Are you ready to scale your business in a way that's aligned with your soul and profitable? I'm Casey Rossi, a business and leadership coach. I've been a full-time entrepreneur for 30 years and love business. I help conscious leaders increase their impact and optimize their lives. Join me each week for tips and deep conversations on cultivating confidence, increasing your visibility, elevating your vibration, and leading with purpose without burning out. Let's go. My guest today is Jennifer Standish. Jennifer is a leadership and career coach. She also wrote Permission Granted, Live Your Life Full of Joy and Peace. I know you're going to enjoy this episode with Jennifer because we talk about what it takes to overcome limiting attitudes and really move into an amazing life regardless of any past experience. We go into self-advocacy, some confidence-building tips, and some master principles that Jennifer teaches that you can learn not only about how to become a better salesperson, but in general, how to stand up for yourself, how to turn things around, and how to not stay stuck in a story from the past. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Jennifer, it's awesome to connect with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Yeah. Awesome. So I am not a surface girl and I would love to dive deep and personal right off the bat, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Go for it. Okay, cool. Awesome. So I know that you have shared that you were raised by a narcissist that made you feel stupid and destined to fail. Yes. And that's pretty heavy. And I know that many of us have instances from our past that we've been able to, you know, that we carry forward and, and maybe not have been able to traverse, but I'm curious, what was the impact of that on you? Oh, well, uh, what ended up happening was I emerged from college and which nobody thought I would go to, you know, nobody thought I, I, I would get through. And I, I worked in the advertising industry as a market researcher because market research sounded like I was smart, like as a researcher said, so I'm not a scientist, but it had right. And um, I just mirrored my bosses. Whatever my bosses did, I did. Whatever they said, I said. So I was a perfect little employee until I got to about three years in when I was expected to kind of have my own opinions and my own you know, take on certain things. And that's when I came up short because I was really just a shell of a human being. I had, I had nothing. I had no opinions. I had no moral code. I had, I just read the room completely codependent. I mirrored everyone around me. And so um, I ended up with severe imposter syndrome and I had a nervous breakdown. I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't show up to work. The, the, the anxiety and, and coaches weren't around. God bless coaches now, but I would have, could have really done, you know, it would have really helped me to have had a coach but they weren't around. And I ended up having a nervous breakdown because I, the anxiety of going into work every day, I just, it ended up being that I just cried and I ended up in therapy a couple months later and just said, um, I, 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 I'm blonde and I like pizza and that's all I know about myself. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's all I know. And he just kind of looked at me and said, well, We'll start there. Yeah. But but really that's what being raised by a narcissist does is it denies you the opportunity 
to explore and grow and become a, hu a complete human being. And so I would say it took me probably 20 years, just like a normal human being, you know, birth to 20, it took me 23 to probably 43 to really figure out what it is that I, I wanted and I liked and I didn't like. And I pivoted, I've had so many different kinds of jobs and because, and it was all in this exploration of who am I? What do I like? What am I good at? What do I want? What is, what is, you know, there are some parts of my life where I was very spiritual and it was like, well, you know, why did God put me here? Um, some of it was, you know, just, I just don't want to do this for a living, but there were just so many pivots because I just couldn't find, I just didn't know what would make me happy. And so much of it didn't. That makes a lot of sense. And, and there's pieces and parts of your story that I can very much relate to. And I think that whole identity piece of who am I, what am I good at? What do I truly like? I have always had my inner circle about 20 to 25 years older than me. So I was very influenced from a very young age. And so I, I remember thinking like when I was 40 and it's so simple, it's like in the most simplest things that we just have these aha moments, but it was like, I don't even like pie. I eat it because my friends love it. Right. Cause they're always like, well, let's go get pie and coffee. And I remember thinking like, what a simple thing. Like, I don't really even know if it's my like or dislike. So I can very much relate to that. So if we have listeners that can also relate and it could be in various, um, you know, parts of the theme, I mean, there could be a slight identity wobble all the way to maybe feeling burned out and having a verge of, of a nervous breakdown and, and all of that. What do you think it took for you to put in the work and have that self-awareness and recognition? Well, I, I, in, in many ways, I had no choice because it was, it was, it was catastrophic. I mean, I ended up selling sodas and juice at a strip club mm -hmm. and going to therapy during the day. I mean, I, and then when I did enter the workforce three years later, I, the best I could do was I was a temp receptionist mm -hmm. and I started very slowly getting myself back together. And, but, but for those that, that, that are questioning, am I doing this because it's expected of me? And, and I work with a lot of people on, on, you know, what are your, what are your beliefs around career and success? And what have you been taught to believe to be true? And what have you been taught to aspire to? And because maybe that's not right for you. Um, it's pause, just pause. Um, so many of us want to uh, do something dramatic and react, but sometimes just pausing for a week or two and just saying, I'm not too sure where I'm going to take, take a vacation, like just, just stop make no decisions, let the dust settle a little bit, and then you can come out with a little bit more clarity because I know I rush to decisions because I'm in pain and I want it fixed, I want something. And so I will make a rash, I have made rash decisions only to come be like, woof, I wish I had thought that through a little bit. Absolutely, and I think when our nervous system has been hijacked from our past, it's so easy to have low impulse control to be in that. Oh, let me, let me fix. Let me, let me go. Let me serve. Let me react. So I can totally feel that sense of urgency. Slowing down sounds amazing, but I think there's also a lot of fear 
especially mm-hmm. for our high performing achievers that are listening to the show. Right. Where it's like, if I slow down, my world might fall apart. So how can we help support those kind of thoughts? Well, the slowdown need not be permanent. The slowdown may, may be a long weekend. The slowdown may be just a chunk of time where you just, it's, it's almost like, you know, you hear about decision paralysis. It's just like, you just stop and pause and you put everything on hold. So you let the dust settle a little bit. And so you gain clarity and you, and, and so I, I work with people, one of my, um, some people that I work with are, think that they need to leave their jobs. And they're ready to quit. They're ready to walk out. And it's like, well, wait a minute, let's stop. And so a lot of them end up staying and flourishing because they were able to re, you know, um, reimagine life. They were were able to figure out a way that it really wasn't the job. So, so sometimes just pausing need not be so scary when you, when you realize that you don't have to make a decision, you can go back and live your life. But sometimes the pause helps you gain the clarity that you need to resume. Yeah. But you're resuming with more peace and and, and more clarity and, and more strength. That seems to damper down the fear when you frame it like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm also like really big on like, if you don't have to make a decision, don't. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to, don't, if you don't have to cross the bridge, don't cross the bridge. And it's amazing how many things take care of themselves and very often take care of themselves better than if you had taken care of them. So I know as an overachiever, I can, I, I can do, I can make all the decisions in the world and I can do things and I can accomplish things and I can tick things off the box. But sometimes it's, it's, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll you know, get this little message in my ear, like Jen, you know, let the universe fix this, let the universe work on this. You don't give us time to kind of come in and present you with a better solution because you're so busy just making decisions and and, and solving problems. So sometimes it's not, sometimes the decision is to not make a decision for a period of time. I really love that. And it feels like there could be this sense of relief to lean into the fact that we don't have to be the only doer. Like, what would it feel like to know that the universe has your back, to know that spirit is conspiring for your best interests. Like, man, I feel like I want to take a deep sigh just hearing that. <laughs> it is. It's really nice. And, and it's not always, you know, it's, it's not always spirit or the universe. I mean, it can be somebody in your life. I mean, I remember the moment where I healed my financial anxiety was when I was told the boiler had to be fixed and it was going to be a couple thousand dollars. And I just said, um, I'm done. Bring. I, it, was, it, was, it, it would have led to a panic attack, but I was just like, I don't know. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to pay for this. I don't know what to do. I'm not doing anything. I'm not going to worry about this. And my husband was looking at me like, cause he had complete financial serenity. And he's like, Jen, are you, are you, is this you? Like, you're okay with this? And, and I was like, yeah, I'm done worrying about money. It's going to get fixed. I don't know how it's going to get, and I don't know when. And he's like, oh, you've graduated. Congratulations. Oh, that's you know what he did? He downloaded something from the internet and went down and he fixed the boiler. He figured out, and I never, I didn't ask him to do it. It wasn't his, like, it, but, but I just was like, whatever. And so 
What a beautiful story of surrender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so sometimes it's not the universe or whatever. It's actually people in your life coming to you and bringing you solutions that you never thought um, you, you never thought possible. So, yeah. Well, I know you authored permission granted and I love the tagline, live your full or your life full of joy and peace. So permission granted, live your life full of joy and peace. I am curious what it took for you to offer yourself permission to surrender. Okay. That's, this is hilarious. So originally the idea was, I just want to write a silly little book Um, a series of silly little books um, that were all about permission. And it would be, uh, there'd be no journalistic integrity. It was just like a money grab. It was just like, you know, just like these little books that you see on the counter. And it was just going to be permission granted women, permission granted men, permission granted work, permission granted. And it would just be filled with like little fluffy things. And I took it to a whole bunch of publishers and they were like, this is actually great. Let's do this, right? And so I found a publisher and sat down and wrote the first 12, which were heartbreaking which were all from my past and the permissions I had until I sent it off to my publisher. And I said, this is not what we discussed at all, but I'm just sending this to you just because I think you'd be interested in reading it, but I'll get started on the other, on the real ones. Right. And she wrote me back and she goes, Jen, this is the book that needs to be written. I got the goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, no, no, this is the one, this is it. So the whole direction changed. And she goes, can you, how many of these things can you write? And I had kept, um, during that time period, when I was recovering from my nervous breakdown, I had kept journals. And so I went into the closet and pulled out 12 journals and just went through them. And I found 110 uh, limiting beliefs that I had to change or I, you know, it was just like my entire life was right there in those journals and that, that journal, those journals became this book Mm. in many ways. And the journal, the book is written as like, these are my new permissions, my new permissions to quit a job. I don't love, like, I need to love my job. I'm somebody that I can't go to a job just for the money or just like, I need to, um, you know, I, I, um, there was one about like, I don't want to wear a traditional bathing suit. Give me swim trunks and a tank top. Like give yourself, <laughs> right? Because there's, yes. right? So, so like, so it was, so it's, it, it's centered around like all these new permissions and then the little backstory on where the permission came from. Um, and I, it was, it just, I just went through all those journals and God bless that I had them. So as a researcher, did you see a common theme of the biggest stumbling block that keeps us from giving ourselves permission? Well, for, for me, it was overwhelmingly you need I, that I was dumb, dumb brain, like brain damage level dumb that I would never amount to anything um, and how and how I was just not protected at school from the teachers and, um, and how nobody just, I was, I was completely abandoned at every turn. Um, and, and it was, it, it was, it, it, and just, it's just, it was just like, oh my God, like, this is really profound. Um, and then the other one was this intense, um, that you need to be thin. You will not be loved unless you were really thin and skinny. 
that you know, if you're fat, you, you don't, you're not going to be loved. So it was those two things that of course, you know, she turns out at 16, I have two eating disorders and I'm suicidal, right? Like, like big I mean, surprise there, right? Yeah. It sounds debilitating. It, it, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, oh, yep. Go ahead. Well, and my therapist at the time then interviewed my family and then, you know, came back and after a period of time, just said, Jennifer, um, and I don't know that he used the word narcissism um, or narcissistic uh, parental abuse, but he just said, um, we're just going to put you on medication, get you through high school. You're going to go away to college. You're going to milk your parents for all they're worth. And you are never going to go home because this can't be fixed. And none of this is your fault. None of this, but you can't, this, this is, you can't, you can't go home. Like it, this is so destructive. And even though that was, that was helpful because it was like, oh God, somebody sees this. And I stopped blaming myself for, um, I, I mean, it still was an enormous amount of therapy that was required to really put myself back together. But that was the first person who basically said, oh no, 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 this is, this is bananas. What you're living in is bananas. And it's, and no wonder you're, you're, you're suffering to this degree. How do those experiences tie into self-advocacy, which is a topic that you champion often? Oh my God. Yes. Well, um, I, put, I can so easily put myself in the shoes of my, many of my clients who don't know how to speak up, who don't know how to, you know, go into a performance review empowered or um, ask for a raise, or if they're an entrepreneurs um, selling their services. And so um, it, it, I, I, like, I am an employee, like there's so much leadership stuff out there, but no, I, I'm for the worker bee. I'm for the person out there doing the work and making sure that they get the support that they need in order to thrive because um, there is not a lot of support out there. Um, and so, and I'm uniquely positioned because I have, I had imposter syndrome and it was crippling. I know the anxiety, I understand the internal monologue, I, you know, like, you know, remembering like all the conversations that I had in the day, like, did I really need to say that in that meeting? I wonder what those people thought about that. Was that a stupid thing to say? Oh, I'm never going to say that again. Oh, I made a joke. Some people laughed, some people didn't. Was that a stupid joke? Oh my God, blah, 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 blah. you know, and it just never ended. So I, a lot of what I do is I just love my clients and I'm their biggest cheerleader. And then I start talking to them about this is how your brain works. You know, this is the amygdala and your amygdala will hijack you, right? These are the self-limiting beliefs. Let's go back. Where do you, where does this belief come from? You know, um, but then also, so a lot of it is, is, is self-discovery and exploring your past, but a lot of it is giving them tips and, and tools and strategies on how to deal with the here and now. Yes. So a lot of it is how to have difficult conversations with your boss, how to set boundaries, you know, how to have, um, you know, how to go into a performance review or how to um, ask for a razor or even sell the fear of the phone is huge among everyone. Everyone fears the phone, right? 
So it's so- I want to get into that because I know that you're a cold call expert, but before we do, one of the things that I see reoccurring often, uh, whether it dovetails into imposter syndrome or asking for a raise or picking up the phone and asking for the sale is confidence. And so yeah. I would love to leave our listeners with some practical tips on how to build confidence. Yes. Okay. So very first thing is authenticity. Do you believe in what you're selling or representing or your services? Do you believe it to your core? Then, then the next part is integrity. Are you selling to the right people? Right. Do your homework. Don't, don't pursue everyone because not everyone is going to be your audience, right? And then are you approaching this with a desire to serve? So on the phone, as a cold calling expert, I will tell you that if you're calling with authenticity, integrity, and a willingness to help, you will sound completely different than everybody else on the phone and people will take your calls. Because confidence, people, you will exude confidence and you'll exude passion and conviction. And when you're talking to somebody and they believe in what they're doing, right? And and then it it's just you you want to it's like people want to be on that winning team. Sure. People want to join that team, right? And so really sit back and go, am I being authentic? Yes, if you're in business for yourself, you're you're probably doing something that you're really good at and enjoy and you have a good offering. And then are you do you are you approaching this with integrity? Probably yes. And are you 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 want to help? Probably yes. So then you have every, every right. You almost have this moral responsibility to go out and help people solve problems because ultimately that's what we all do is we just solve problems. Yes. So, I love, oh, I love your perspective. It's so very helpful. So if we have people that are like, yes, I am checking those boxes. I feel like I'm showing up authentically. I feel like I have integrity and I have my divine right clients dialed in and I have a heart to serve. I'm mission driven and I have a heart for service. Where do you find people are finding the best results? And I'm asking because we have seen shifts in approach, whether it's people sliding into our inbox and are sending us a DM or spamming us on LinkedIn. Like there is now this little bit of ick, you know, that's on the rise where it's like, hey, let's connect. But it's really, we're just kind of, for me, I, I'm constantly being bombarded with. Yeah. 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 So, so my belief is that if you approach this from, I just want to introduce myself. It's an introductory call. I'm not going to ask for a business decision. I'm not going to ask for money, a project, anything. It's just, it's just, I work with people who are very similar to you. And I would just like to introduce myself so that maybe in six months, a year or two years, you might need somebody like me. And I would like to be top of mind. I'd like to get in your consideration list. And, and I'm sure because not only 9% of your audience is in the market at any given time, but you've got 91% of your audience who you have time to build relationships with. So I approach business. I, I don't do almost, I don't do sales. I just do business development because it's all relationship building. So yes. if you approach people, if you approach the right people, right? You do your homework, right? And you just say, I would just simply like to introduce myself. And, and there's no business, there's no sales. It's just, I simply would like to introduce myself. 
Um, and you avoid language like to see if this is a good fit or to see if I can help you or to see if, or to see what your problems are. Or it's like, I don't want to, ex I'm not going to expose my business to you, but if it's just, I would just like to introduce myself so that maybe, you know, sometime down the road, you might need somebody like me. You'll know me. You're not scrambling. You're not in a panic. You'll just be able to pick up the phone and you'll, you, you already know me and what I do. That just sounds so beautiful. And what a, what a feminine way to approach business. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And my cold calling technique, I tell people is it's very warm and fuzzy. It's very feminine. It's great for introverts mm -hmm. and people with call reluctance, but you don't have to use it in just cold calling. You can just use it, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, like whatever social media you're on. However, even in networking face-to-face, -face, you can be sitting on an airplane talking to somebody like you can use this anywhere in any environment. Um, it's, it's, it's all relationship building and people like to do business um, with people that they like. And that's why I encourage people don't outsource sales, mm -hmm. do it yourself because you're going to find the people that resonate with you. And that's what you want. That's a you great want, tip. You don't want somebody resonating with somebody else. And as, as a former appointment setter, I could get plenty of appointments for somebody, but once they got on the phone with that other person, there was this huge disconnect and they couldn't close the deals. So it was like, you want to be selling and, and selling all sales, all sales really is, is you're solving a problem for somebody. You're being of service. And, and all I you're doing is looking. Yeah. Well, all you're doing is looking for people that have a problem that you can solve. That's it. That's it. Simplifying it makes it feel really great. And I think it goes back to your point of being clear on the problem you solve. So yeah. I think for people that have had a spin out in this lane, a lot of it is they are trying to solve too many problems for too many people. They haven't quite narrowed their niche down or they're not hundred percent going back to the confidence piece. Are you rock solid confidence that you can get results that you're promising I think once you have that dialed in, that whole service piece comes into play. I'm curious, I know you mentioned the people connection piece, which uh, translates into relationship building. I am curious, what else makes up a salesperson's mindset? Um, well, one thing I want to say is don't sell your modality, sell the benefit of it. So don't go to, don't go to market being a transformational coach, right? Because people don't buy modalities, that's a feature. So sell your benefit, how people will benefit from working with you. And from a sales perspective, um, remember that life is like waves. There's always another one. There's always another opportunity. And um, you just have to kind of stay in the game and it's consistency and really, the gold is in the follow-up. It's not the first call. It's not the first meeting. It's the third, the fifth, the eighth. Mm -hmm. And so stay in it, stay in the game. Don't fill in, when you don't hear back from somebody, don't fill in the blank. Don't assume that it's because you're bothering them. You don't, nobody told you you were bothering them. They didn't tell you you were bothering them. So just it's consistent. Um, it's, in, within your, your marketing and your sales effort, just be consistent, stay in the game um, and realize that um, this is, 
it's a um, it's a long term relationship building exercise. Um, and Jennifer, are you a fan of X number of reach outs per day? Or I know you're talking about multiple touch points, which I think is something to underscore. But are you a fan of like make ten? Oh, you know, it really depends on where you are in your business, because if you're, if you have a baby business, 90% of your days should be spent doing that. But if you have a mature business with lots of, you know, repeat clients or customers, you don't need to be spending that much time. So I think it, it really, it really all depends. I mean, I know somebody who makes 40 cold calls a day, right? That's right for her. So it just, it just really kind of depends. I would also stress that we each have our own strengths or superpower and we need to honor that. There are some people that are just natural networkers and God bless them. They want you put, put them in, in any room in the world, right? They should be like networking and they probably shouldn't be on social media that much, <laughs> you know? So really lean into your strengths. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So lean yeah. into strengths, confidence, relationship building. Is there yeah. anything we're missing when it comes to that success mindset? Um, that there are no mistakes, mm. just lessons, just lessons. There are no mistakes. And, um, and, it's, and the, 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 goal, and the, the name of the game is really self-promotion and consistency. Yeah. And, and if you have, if you struggle with that, uh, don't struggle alone, find, find a coach. Yeah. Even if it's just for a short period of time, reach out, get somebody to help you because you are so close to the problem that you can't see you. You can probably not see your way out of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really helpful to have a second set of eyes. Absolutely. I mean, I sense a lot of self-love in your approach. I do. I, I, I am. Yes, absolutely. My, what, you know, I started off in the coaching world as a cold calling consultant, cold calling coach, and I would work with people with call reluctance. And when they healed their call reluctance, I watched the trajectory of their lives completely change. They would quit their jobs, start companies. They would become the number one salespeople, salesperson in the company, like their life. And it was like, it wasn't the cold calling that changed their life. It was the healing that then made them into great cold callers. And that's when I was like, I'm a transformational coach. <laughs> I'm doing so much more than just sales coaching, but I don't market myself that way. I don't lead with that. You know, I talk about leadership and employee advocacy because I'm all about the little people in the trenches that don't know how to speak up for themselves, don't know how to navigate the world of, you know. For sure. And so well, there is a lot of love. I feel love. it. I feel it. I feel it from the permission granting. I feel it from the whole piece of like being easy with yourself, not having black and white thinking, not having to make all the decisions right here, right now and feel committed to it. There's a lot of space and grace, which I think so much of us are thirsty for. So thank you for that work that you bring into the world. Can I leave you with three, my three rules of life? Yes. Give grace, lead with love, and stay in your lane. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Yes. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate your time and energy. And thank you so much for being here, Jennifer. 
My pleasure, my absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jennifer. If so, you can head on over to lovethepodcast.com slash brilliance and share it with a friend because we know whatever we share really promotes a positive ripple effect throughout. So if you got one or two aha moments, share it with a friend. They will thank you for it. We will see you next week, my friend. Until then, breathe joy.